Welcome to another episode of Logical. It's the Golf Region's first and still the only legal podcast. My name's Tim Elliott. I'm here at the Jamira Lakes Towers offices of Yamalaba and Plethka with the Managing Director, Ludmilla Yamalaba. As always, Ludmilla, really good to see you. Tim, good to have you here again and thanks for coming to chat with us once again. So look, in a recent edition of Logical, the last edition that we uh, put online, we considered the topic of doing business uh, in Dubai, actually more widely here in the UAE. Now we talked in kind of broad terms about what's required, the need to be present in the UAE physically, you need to ensure appropriate licensing, etc. We discussed a little about financing, banking facilities, the evolution of the legal framework that surrounds and protects business setup. And we also talked broadly about free zones and onshore and a little bit about offshore operations. Now, in a country that's taking the steps that we all agree about to encourage entrepreneurial activity, it's a topic that always spurs additional questions. We've had lots of questions. So what I wanted to do today was return to the topic and expand on offshore versus onshore business setup in the UAE. But it's a little bit more complicated than that. So I thought we'd start with the difference in simple terms. And I am getting to the point here between mainland, free zone and offshore companies. Three, two, one, go. Well, and I'm glad that you so summarize in the way I redefined uh, the, the terms uh, in your last sentence, because in fact, there are three different concepts and they are mainland, onshore and offshore. Right. Uh, however, there is a popular misconception still to this day to call any free zones, for example, as being offshore. Uh, but that in technical terms or in legal terms, that's actually a separate legal concept. And there is a it's a different type of company to be located offshore, so to speak. So in a way, the accurate um, categorization of um, the types of companies you can set up or businesses you can set up in the UAE uh, is um, mainland, onshore, and offshore. Now, in just very general terms, mainland, there are different types of companies that can be set up on, on the mainland. But the most common corporate vehicle is what's often referred to as an LLC, the limited liability company. And for that particular company, uh, if you are setting up an LLC on the mainland, you're required to have a 51% ownership by an Emirati uh, an Emirati entity or an individual. So that's probably the... Um, the most significant difference between a, a company that is set up on the mainland versus a free zone. Because in the free zone, uh, you do not require to have uh, an Emirati entity or an individual as a shareholder. It, the entity can be 100% owned by an expatriate individual or a company. But the onshore in, or the free zone in this particular case is still an onshore business. In other words, a free zone company can do business in the UAE. Is just set up under a different legal framework. And now the final type of company is, uh, in fact, a, a more traditional, more classical form of offshore. And the UAE has at least two vehicles or two platform uh, under which you can set up a more of a classical offshore entity that's akin to, for example, the Cayman Islands or the BVI, These, uh, the more, uh, the more, I guess, the better known offshores. 
that um, have been used quite commonly by the world's many different uh, corporate entities over the last many years. And so, but not many know that the UAE too has uh, corporate structures that allow for a very similar type of corporate setup uh, being an offshore company. So these kinds of companies, in fact, are truly offshore because they cannot do business in the UAE. So the free zone companies can do business with a few limitations, but offshore companies set up in the UAE cannot do business in the UAE. What they can do is that they often serve more as a holding company. Uh, They can own properties, they can invest in businesses, but they cannot uh, directly do business in the UAE. And they can only be incorporated through an agent. So again, this is more akin to a traditional BVI, Cayman Islands, uh, offshore company. So these are the three different types of companies, uh, and they are really more uh, delineated uh, uh, around the free zones or the the geographic areas where they're set up. So the mainlands are everything except the free zone areas that are geographically defined, and the offshores are set up in, um, there are two different offshores in the UAE. One is in Dubai under the Jabal Ali Free Zone Authority or JAFSA offshore, and one in Ras Al Khaimah. So those are the three business structures that businesses can set up under. So three very specific different ways of setting up. We're going to come back and look at offshore companies in a a future podcast. I think what we need to do today is to talk about mainland and free zone and the distinctions between the two if you want to do business uh, in Dubai and in the UAE. So let's split this into two parts, Ludmilla. First of all, consider the ways in which you can set up on the mainland. So mainland companies are usually distinguished as um, those companies that require a local partner. A local partner being, a U- generally speaking, a UAE entity, uh, be it an individual or a corporate. And um, uh, there are different types of companies that um, absolutely require this kind of uh, structure, and that is um, any kind of limited liability company. It is, however, possible to set up also on the mainland without having a local partner if you set it up as a different legal entity uh, which is often called either sole establishment or sole proprietorship so it is possible to set up on the mainland without a local partner uh, but it's a different legal entity that in short does not uh, does not afford uh, owners of the company a limited liability which means that in the event there is any dispute or a claim against the company, then the individual and the individual assets will be at risk uh, because the company does not have or does not enjoy limited liability. Uh, But most of the companies that that are set up on the mainland uh, are set up in the form of a limited liability company that requires to have at least a 51% ownership by an Emirati. And on top of that, there are certain restrictions in terms of licensing activities and industries, uh, which in fact require a larger percentage owned by Emiratis. So for example, if you want to do a real estate um, brokerage company, a company uh, with that activity requires to have 100% ownership by uh, a UAE national. Similarly, anything to do with insurance business, for example, or uh, HR or recruitment, also requires 100% ownership by Emiratis. And there are also certain industries and certain sectors of the business that require 
to have a similar ownership structure, such as, for example, oil and gas, any kind of security type uh, company. So, uh, so it's not to say that all companies that are set up on the mainland only require a 51% ownership by a UAE national. There are many businesses businesses which require a much larger percentage, and this is what uh, uh, a lot of the a lot of businesses coming into the UAE are not aware of because. Most of the time when mainland companies are introduced, they're always introduced in, in the context of a 51% ownership and only. Uh, but uh, generally speaking, a majority of the companies in the UAE in particular that are in trading, they are set up on mainland on the mainland with the, uh, uh, with the 51% ownership by a UAE entity. Uh, now, there are a number of companies and businesses which do not have a choice of being anywhere other than mainland. So, for example, if you're in trading and you're moving goods, uh, physical goods, it is um, by, for, for many different reasons, you need to be set up on the mainland. So you don't even really have a choice of being set up uh, anywhere else because of the activities that you're involved in. Uh, a lot of, at least historically, before the free zones were introduced, so before the free zones became more popular than they are today, a lot of foreign businesses and foreign um, individuals set up companies in the UAE with that structure, where it's 51% owned by an Emirati and uh, the rest, the remaining 49, depending on who the foreign investors were. However, in practice, those foreign companies or foreign investors wanted to or, or at least believe that they own a, hun- a company 100%. So they would bring in a local partner uh, as a silent partner. And even though on the license it would show that uh, 51% is owned by the Emirati, there would be side agreements that would effectively change the legal structure of that particular corporation. So a lot of businesses are set up like that even to this day where foreigners and foreign companies and businesses believe that the business is 100% under their management and their ownership, relying on these side agreements. These side agreements, however, are not enforceable. And this is what um, still, there's a a tremendous misconception in the industry and in the region, uh, believing that these side agreements are actually enforceable and valid. And this is because ultimately the effect of these side agreements is that they change the law. And no legal instrument will ever be enforced in court if it contradicts the, the fundamental uh, legal structure that is allowed by um, that country's laws. Uh, so in this particular case, the side agreements are not, um, are not valid because they effectively change the required legal structure of the company. And so it's, and that realization has become more more highlighted or more pronounced over the last several years and that is because of that the uh, free zones have become a lot more popular and a lot more common uh, as an option for businesses uh, and individuals setting up their own businesses. That's an interesting point because there's something like at last count I think 30 different free zones here in the Emirates, spread across seven Emirates, admittedly, uh, but it is a very popular uh, way to go. We'll come to talk about free zone companies in more detail in a moment, but just if I can go back to LLCs for a second, uh, how many shareholders are required for an LLC? Well, minimum one, because if uh, a limited liability company can be owned by one uh, shareholder, and that would be 100%, uh, but it always has to have a UAE national or a GCC national. 
there is an agreement uh, for GCC uh, countries uh, that would allow a GCC national, as a, either as an individual or a corporate, to actually own a company without the need to have a UAE national as a shareholder. So if I was a citizen of Saudi Arabia, it's perfectly feasible for me to enter the UAE market without the need for an Emirati uh, shareholder or an Emirati sponsor. Correct. With one qualification is that you as a Saudi national could not bring in a foreign investor into that equation. So you could own 100% of the company, but you could not have, for example, an American national own even 5 or 10%. So that's a limitation. As a GCC national, you can own the company in the UAE outright without the need to bring a UAE national, but you cannot bring a different nationality into that equation. Okay, let's assume that I'm going to set up my mainland company uh, and I'm happy to do that. Let's talk about costs and I'm not going to hold you down to exact numbers. It's clearly different for for each business, Um, but you need to consider license costs. You need to look at legal costs for uh, providing MEMS and R's. For example, uh, costs for an office, costs associated with staffing. What, What am I missing? Uh, well, there are startup costs and there are ongoing costs. And so the startup costs uh, usually, and as is in any business, are quite quite high uh, or, uh, or higher than obviously the ongoing costs. And so there is a startup cost for to set up a license. And that license cost usually is higher than the annual license cost. Uh, so in the mainland, it depends on the licensing activity. It could be anywhere from 10,000. Uh, dirhams to um, you know, to fifty thousand to a hundred, depending again on the licensing activity. Uh, that's just for the license. Uh, now, one of the requirements in the UAE uh, to have a business and to apply for a license is that you also have an office. So, and that's part of a requirement to have the license issued. So it's not that you get a license and then decide to either rent an office or not. You're obligated to have some type of a premise that's attached to your license. Um, so that's obviously another cost. Uh, and um, there is always, there's also an insurance cost. So whenever you take an office, there is an office insurance, and a liability insurance, and depending on the type of industry, you may even require some specific insurance, like malpractice insurance and, um, and such. If you are hiring employees, uh, then there are visa costs, and for every employee, there are visa costs and there are deposits uh, that are held with the government uh, for the purposes of of those visas. And now, as of about two years ago, uh, it's uh, become standard across the UAE that every visa is also uh, attached or uh, attached to a health insurance. So if before, at least in, other than Abu Dhabi, in all the other Emirates, it was optional to have uh, health insurance provided to the employees, now it's required. So you also need to factor in that cost. So if you have five employees, now you have to apply for five different visas and you have to get health insurance for each one of them. And without the insurance, you will not get the visa. Uh, so there's that cost. There's also a significant cost in terms of what's called the share capital. Uh, so companies uh, have to decide what share capital they want to list as part of uh, uh, their starting up capital. And for a lot of the mainland companies, it's about 50,000 dirhams and up. And that's per, so if let's say 
it's you and I, the shareholders, we would do 50, 50,000, uh, and that would be 100,000, but we could take it anywhere to 5 million, to 10 million, to 50 million. So it depends on the, on the industry and the particular business uh, in terms of what that share capital should be. Uh, with regards to the share capital, that's the amounts that are required to be listed as part of the, um, uh, as part of the company uh, startup. But once the company is uh, open and running, that money can, does not need to be sitting in the account. It, it's actually open uh, for the business to be used as part of their um, regular business uh, practice. Uh, so, in, in short, there are licensing fees, there are office fees, uh, there are um, shared capital fees or costs, uh, there is insurance, uh, residence visas, and obviously all the other operational expenses such as utilities, uh, electricity, uh, con air conditioning, and phone companies, and uh, internet connections, and so on and so forth. So, the expenses are... Are, are sizable, and that's why it's so important for businesses to uh, to understand exactly what goes into opening up a business in the UAE before uh, before committing to to doing business here, uh, because it can be quite costly, and that's what we see from our experience. A lot of foreign individuals or businesses uh, do not take the time to learn about what it really means to run a business in the UAE, and then find themselves disappointed. Uh, at the various costs that um, they did not factor in into their equation. Let's assume that I put a tick next to every one of those on your list. I'm functioning. Let's move a couple of years down the road and my business is doing well. And I think to myself, right, I'm going to expand. I'm going to open a branch office. I may think about franchising the operation in some way. Um, I know it's a huge, those are two huge questions to answer, but both are possible here in the Emirates. For sure. So that, that your original business can ultimately act as a parent company, for example. So, And there are different ways of structuring expansion. One is that to make that original company be the parent company, and then from there on you, uh, you open up either branches or subsidiaries or some sort of affiliated businesses. So a branch, for example, in general terms, has to match, the, in terms of licensing activities, has to match uh, those of the parent company. Subsidiaries, on the other hand, can have different types of activities. And then, or affiliated companies is that, let's say, uh, the parent company becomes a shareholder of another company and brings in another shareholder into the fold. Uh, so there are different types of expansions that are possible uh, and uh, you can use the original setup as sort of your mothership, if you will, uh, for further expansion. And um, as part of your growth, um, you can set up these branches, subsidiaries, affiliates uh, anywhere in the UAE and anywhere in by that um, by that uh, same token anywhere in the world. So, for example, a Dubai company can now open up a branch in Fujairah or in Abu Dhabi, or it can set up another entity, let's say, in somewhere in France. So, it uh, the company in in France will now be owned 100% by a UAE entity. So, it's a fairly flexible and commonly recognized legal platform um, that allows you to expand um, as 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 is appropriate for your business. So that's as a mainland company. Let's move on to free zones because, uh, as I mentioned, there are something like 30 free zones here: um, Dubai Media City, Internet City. 
The DMCC, Dubai Multi-Commodities Centre, under which your uh, company is licensed. There's Dubai International Financial Centre. There are places such as Creative Zone, Virtue Zone, that help you to set up in any uh, number of uh, free zones. Um, so there's a lot to choose from. Uh, structurally, let's start there. If you decide to head to the free zone route, you decide that's for you, uh, what's available in setup terms? There are many options uh, and uh, there are a lot of factors to consider in, in terms of deciding which options are appropriate for one's business. Uh, to, um, hi- to highlight uh, that not all businesses qualify to be based in, in free zones. Right. Uh, so for example, trading businesses and any businesses that uh, they deal with transport of in particular physical goods, uh, they have to be set up uh, on the mainland. They cannot be set up in um, in free zones. Also, uh, apart from a few sort of limited free zones, if you want to have a business that also has a warehouse, most of the free zones do not have warehouses. And so your option may only be to set up on mainland. And also there are certain activities that require for you to be set up on the mainland. So first of all, you need to identify what is it the activity that you want to pursue and um, and if there are none of the activities that uh, are limited to being set up in the free zones then you basically but now you start looking okay which free zone is most appropriate for me and then the choices are um, uh, wide and uh, they usually they usually uh, so they usually depend on a number of factors and cost being one so there are some free zones that are perhaps a lot easier to operate because they've just been around a lot longer. Uh, for example, JAFSA. JAFSA stands for Jabalali Free Zone Authority. It's mm-hmm. the UAE's um, oldest free zone. It's the first and oldest free zone. Um, so by virtue of that alone, it's a free zone that's a very well uh, sort of oiled machine, if you will, because it's 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 um, been around for so long, so it's um, it's quite a developed and and sophisticated platform to operate under. Uh, but the costs are fairly significant uh, because uh, it's usually aimed for much larger companies, though those who need to have access to the port because it's attached to the port, and it has uh, customs. Uh, so and it has lots and lots of warehouses, large warehouses. So by its very nature, the Jafsa uh, Free Zone, for example, is more tailored uh, towards bigger companies, bigger businesses. Uh, so if um, but if you are in one of those businesses that requires or logistics that does logistics or transport that that could be the only free zone that's um, that's appropriate to you uh, but if you don't need to do to deal with either physical goods or transportation or um, or warehouses then you're looking at all the other free zones that are scattered all over the UAE so there is some of the other free zones um, uh, that are of note financial if you want to do any kind of financial activities, uh, there is the Dubai Inter- International Financial Center or the DIFC, and there's also in Abu Dhabi ADGM, the Abu Dhabi Global Markets. Uh, those are the free zones that, in particular, are aiming at in, uh, attracting finance uh, companies and financial activities. Uh, so, if that's the activity you want to open, those would be the natural free zones to consider first. 
then there are, and this is actually a little bit of the history, that most of the free zones, when they were first introduced, they were introduced to attract certain industries. Mm. So you have the TCOM uh, free zone, you had the Internet City, you had the DMCC, which is Dubai Multi-Commodity Center, you have Silicon Oasis, you have Dubai Healthcare City, and so on and so forth. Uh, so they were, uh, historically, the free zones were m- more based on a specific industry that they wanted to target. Uh, but over time, it, each one of these free zones have become a lot more flexible. And so they now allow and, in fact, encourage setup of uh, a much broader range of businesses and all sorts of consultancies, including. So each one of these free zones, so we still have the names, like the DMCC, the Dubai Multi-Commodity Center, which is where we are based, our law firm. And um, you have the TCOM and Media City, but in fact, you have a lot of IT consultancies, for example, that are set up in those, business, in those free zones. Uh, so, but but if you're in a particular business and you still want to be surrounded perhaps by more businesses that are uh, are in the same industry, such as diamond industry or, or media, then perhaps you would want to choose one of these other free zones that are more specialized, just so that you have access to uh, to more minded, um, the, uh, more uh, more like minded businesses and services. Uh, but other than that, if you don't really, if you don't really have a particular business um, that you that you belong to, so for example, you're in consultancy, and there are a lot of a lot of businesses here that are set up as such as general consultancies, and then you're providing services sort of kind of on a number of uh, on a number of um, level, then there are many other free zones that are available to you. And in the way, at that point, you may look at uh, which ones are most affordable, especially when you're starting up. Uh, so cost is a big factor, and uh, there are free zones that are that are set up in other uh, emirates, uh, which are more affordable than those, for example, that are, uh, that are available in Dubai. And the point to make there is really that there is a choice. There probably is a free zone for you. If you want to come and start an internet startup, as you'll think, perhaps Internet City is the thing for you. If you want to start a magazine, Media City is there for you. And there is expertise there within the free zone that could well be invaluable if you're setting up a new business too. For sure, but those free zones, the, the in particular the older free zones, they also come at a price. And if you are a new business and you're starting up, and as much as uh, you may want to be surrounded by the like-minded businesses and have the uh, av- availability of, of those companies and p- perhaps clientele available to you, you may not be able to afford it. Uh, and it may be that to start up with, you want to be set up somewhere else that allows you to legally work in this country and, uh, and operate, but yet helps you manage your costs, at least uh, at the start. The other thing with free zones, Ludmilla, is the attraction, I guess, from a taxation point of view and the 100% ownership point of view. Yes. So historically, free zones have always been advertised as those two, the two main benefits. One, it's 100% ownership and two, it's 100% tax free. Uh, well, the 100% ownership still, for the most part, remains, uh, but the 100% tax-free, uh, we have is, is slightly, perhaps, is slightly changed now because uh, in 2018 the UAE has introduced the VAT tax or the value-added tax, mm-hmm. and unlike, unlike, uh, I guess, popular belief. 
uh, free zones are still subject to VAT. So a lot of the businesses that are set up in, in free zones, with a few exceptions, most free zones are still, the VAT applies to most of the free zones. Uh, so in that in that particular example, and in fact, there were many questions that were raised uh, uh, on this subject, uh, and that is because it's a free zone, does that mean it's going to be uh, exempt from VAT, but um, the the current stance is that no, uh, even though they're free zones, uh, VAT applies equally to all, with very few exceptions of very specific free zones. I ask you this with a mainland company, but let's talk about this in uh, a free zone setup. If you want to expand, you want to open another office to serve a different emirate, uh, for example, or you want to perhaps franchise one of the uh, points I guess that's made very often is the number of staff visas possible depends on the space that you rent for your premises and that's strictly uh, controlled for obvious reasons in uh, a free zone but let's say you open a branch office for your business in Dubai if you're registered with a free zone in the Emirates of Rasselheimer for example what how are the intricacies worked out in an example like that well, it's fairly simple, and um, in fact, in many ways, it's easier because you already have UAE presence, right. and uh, various governments across the UAE recognize uh, corporate documents and corporate uh, entities that are UAE-based a lot, uh, I guess, a lot more, a lot better than, for example, a foreign entity, and that is if, um, let's let's take an example of um, a TCOM company wants to now set up a branch in Rasulheima, mm. uh, then uh, and that becomes a branch of a TCOM company. It's it's possible and it's easier to do than, for example, that same company is coming from, let's um, say, from Ireland and setting up in Rasulheima because. If it were uh, an Irish company setting up in Rasulheima, there would be a lot of corporate documents and attestations and legalizations that would have to uh, that would have to be um, uh, done to the, the original company and, and, and company documents with which you are trying to form a company. So they can take a lot longer and cost a lot more. Whereas if it's a UAE entity uh, from even if it's from a different emirate, uh, setting up a branch or an expansion elsewhere in the UAE, it's um, all the documents that are issued by by uh, UAE governments are equally recognized by all the other uh, licensing authorities across the UAE. So it's a fairly simple process, but in terms of the formation and the requirements, uh, the list remains the same. And that is, once again, if you're setting up a, a branch or, or a subsidiary, you need to have a license in that emir emirate, and you need to have an office in most cases. And if you want to hire employees, then once again, those employees would have to be licensed by that entity, that new entity, and the same residential ex visa expenses and insurance uh, costs apply to all those employees of a new branch. Let's just round things off. We've been talking about mainland or free zone set up here in the Emirates. Uh, just if you could, and if you can briefly, it's tough, uh, just final thoughts on the discussion we've had. Well, final thoughts are that uh, the UAE is a very business-friendly uh, environment, and uh, as time goes on, the options become um, even more diverse and more flexible. 
and um, and there are discussions of even uh, introducing new laws and new regulations to make it even easier for foreigners to come and invest in the UAE. Uh, but for now, there are three main corporate setups that uh, um, that exist, and that is one on mainland, the other one in the free zone, and third one is offshore. And depending on the business and interests, um, um, the UAE has all of those avenues available to practically any business or any investor from anywhere in the world. So come do business here. Offshore, we're going to come back to in a future podcast. As ever, Ludmilla Yamalova, managing partner of the Dubai-based law firm Yamalova and Pleska. Huge thank you for sharing your knowledge and expertise. Well, thank you for your engaging discussion, as always. That's it for another edition of Logical. We're back soon with more, specifically uh, offshore setup. That's coming soon. But if there's a legal question, maybe a conundrum you need an answer to, uh, or you need to get more details about something, you can find us, lylawyers.com. You can also search us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, etc. We're easy to find. We're now podcasting on a variety of legal topics specific to the UAE every week. In fact, sometimes a few times a week on occasion, and we'd love to hear from you. For a consultation to come and meet Ludmilla and the team, the easiest way is to head to lylawyers.com and just hit contact.